the book of Jude. This is another very short book. And so why read this book? Here's from my study Bible. Few people enjoy the sound of alarms. In fact, to avoid the irritating sound, some people disable the buzzers in their car that are attended that are intended to remind them to buckle their seatbelts. Others unhook smoke detectors that go off too easily. Yet avoiding such reminders and warnings can be perilous to your health. Ignoring spiritual warnings can be even more dangerous. That's why you should pay attention to the book of Jude. In a few short words, Jude sounds an alarm you dare not disconnect. Now, who wrote this book? Jude, the half-brother of Jesus and the brother of James, the James who most believe wrote the book that bears his name. That might be a good book to go to after this. When was it written? Perhaps just before Peter wrote his second letter, sometime between AD 65 and 68, or earlier, although some has, have proposed a later date around A.D. 80. Jude and 2 Peter seem to have conspicuous similarities. Why was it written? Jude was concerned that Christians might be drawn away from the truth by teachers of false doctrine. He wrote to urge believers to contend for the faith. What was happening at this time? Christian impostors had infiltrated the church. These false teachers were teaching believers that being saved by grace gave them license to sin. These false teachers were grumblers and fault finders, scoffers, who followed their own ungodly desires and natural instincts. What to look for in the book of Jude? Though this book is brief, don't miss its powerful impact and colorful imagery. Watch for its direct warnings and God's tremendous promises to those that heed them. Jude, chapter 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. This is titled, The Sin and Doom of Ungodly People. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write you about the salvation we share, I feel compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all of this, I want you to I want to remind you the that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwellings. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting change for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. 
In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. Woe to them! They have been carried away. They have been taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves, they are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of sea, foaming up their shape, wandering stars, for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness, and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourself up in your holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. And that's the end of Jude, but there is so much in here. And I, I can, I can relate so much to what Jude is saying, because uh, I see, again, this is like religious institution, our beliefs going after one another. And there are extreme versions of probably every religion out there and unbiblical the way they go about their traditions. In fact, when it doesn't match up with the Bible, when it doesn't match up with scripture, they, I don't know where they get it from. If a misinterpretation, misunderstanding of scripture or something, but um, there are people that call themselves Christians that are leading, this is today too, they're leading people astray because it's no big deal of what's written in the in scripture to them and they minimize it and they don't emphasize it when jesus was here he 
talked about repentance everywhere along this throughout scripture. It talks about repentance and turning to God. And it doesn't leave us all alone like that. I mean, it's not because most people, we all know we're all sinful. So it's not like we have to do this on our own. God gives us the Holy Spirit when we truly want to become followers of Christ. And we can surrender and say, you know, maybe this is going to be really tough for me because I certainly love to do these certain sins, but I want to give that up. I don't want to do that anymore. I want you, God, to help me through the Holy Spirit to change my life. I want to be in eternity with you. When a person says that to God and truly means that and prays that, the Holy Spirit will help. As you, it, it's a it's a change. It's a, it's a slow change, but you will start to notice that if you are in certain situations that you used to be comfortable in, you will get a feeling that I don't belong here. And I can only speak that from experience because when that happened to me, I didn't know what was happening to me. All of a sudden, I just had a weird feeling and I'm like, I don't want to be here. And it just came over me and it was really strong. And that happened to me a couple different times. And it was after I, it was after I read the Bible honestly. I mean, it didn't, that didn't happen to me until I read the Bible. And I don't know that I truly believed until I read the Bible. And then I saw all of the facts, all of the evidence there that made me as a result of reading the Bible made me believe. And then once I believed, I was like, that's the fear of God when it sets into you when you're like, this is true. And if I don't change my ways, I am going to hell. And well, to the lake of fire or wherever <clears throat> that is, but it's eternal torment and it's it's a living hell because I don't think, there, I mean, death is done away with, so you're not going to die. You're going to be in eternity in perpetual torment. And that's what happens to the people who've rejected God. So it's not, it, when you when you see that, when you read that, when you believe that, you are going to do whatever you can to avoid that. And, and obviously it's not by works. So I do, you know, I'm not saying it's by works, but I'm saying that it's, it's a surrendered heart. It's a change of heart. It's something inside of a person that makes you want to be a different person that makes you want to be in eternity with God that makes you want to reject the stuff that keeps you from being with God and until you believe what's in scripture, you're probably not going to change your life. But once you understand what's in scripture and you study it and you question it and you get answers to the questions that you have, I'm 100% confident you're going to believe it because it is the truth. And it just takes a matter of time of getting into it. And that's why it's so important to read scripture and to study it and Anyway, so getting back to the text, there were certain things that, um, you know, if there's somebody that's calling themselves a Christian, especially in a leadership capacity, but yet they are living in immorality, I don't think I would take much advice from them because they truly, someone can't keep sinning if they are truly saved they will they will have so much conviction about it that if the holy spirit is within them 
it's not going to continue. It's going to stop. So if someone is in a perpetual sinning state and they are in a leadership position, that's really bad for everybody else who is a part of that group because it is giving a really bad example and that person has work yet to do on themselves and really isn't in a position to be leading a group of people. And the more I see about this where people just, immorality is a big issue because um, it gave me the fear of God when I read in Revelation that, um, I think it was chapter 21 or 22, where anyone who, I mean, outside are those who are immoral. I mean, look up, try to dissect that word, figure out what does that word mean? You know, how far can you go before you're an immoral person? And does that mean that you're not going to be in God's kingdom? And does that concern you? Well, it sure the hell concerned me. And I was like, I do not want to be away from God. So it, um, and then, okay, in this, this is another thing, like there's this chapter or this paragraph that says, though you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. So I think this is when he was talking about uh, Korah's rebellion. Like there, all these people were complaining to God, like he saved them out of Egypt. He spared their lives, took them out of slavery and gave them food, gave them all of what they needed, but yet they were just grumbling. They were complaining. They did, they were tired of not, of just having manna, this, that magically came out of the sky and fed them, you know, on a regular basis. So they were satisfied. Their, their basic needs were taken care of, but they still were not satisfied and they were complainers. And they did they weren't grateful for what god was doing for them and there was a group of them that god had judgment on he got rid of them and and throughout the bible you will see that because god is just and he will at some point and only god knows but we trust that god be, is just and you can't there's always like, we know there's always like two sides to a story. And if we, if we want justice, if somebody has wronged us and we want something to be taken care of because that person wronged us, the only way that can be done is like, if God took care of that person, if he, um, did to them what they did to us, then we would see that in our minds, justice would prevail. Well, God will do that eventually. It's on his timing. It's not ours. And we're not the ones who take vengeance on anyone who's wronged us, but God will take care of it. And it may have to go all the way until the end when Jesus returns. But at some point, justice will be served and God is just. In some of these stories within the Bible, he took care of that justice moment right then. I noticed also in reading scripture that it appears that along the way, God was trying to take away the very sinful people. Of course, you know that God knows everything. He knows the intent of people and God can see 
what someone's true inner self is like and what their tendencies are. And God can probably, not can probably, he can. He He will know what people will do. Um, there is sin within all of us. And I guess some more than others, maybe. And God can see that. And at times in the past, he has just wiped them from the earth, just kind of, and that would be like helping the people who didn't quite have as much sin by getting rid of the really bad ones that would corrupt the ones who were not quite as bad, maybe. I don't know. That's, but God is just, so we just have to trust what he has done and what he will do when it comes to this. But Getting back to scripture, it said, um, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting change for judgment on the great day. So the angels, he, I believe this is from back in Genesis and um, from the story back in Genesis when the sons of God were, they saw women and they basically had sex with them and created these beings, Nephilim or whatever. And anyway, that those angels were had a certain job to do. Angels are supposed to watch over us, but they were, they didn't. And they did what they wanted to do and they rebelled against God. And then God has chained them and kept them in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment day. Um, the book of Enoch, which is not in the Bible, but does has have some information about that. It almost, well, it expands upon that statement in Genesis, and it gives you a lot more detail about that. Um, and it's not something that we, I guess, the people who decided what books would go in the Bible, um, for whatever reason, it didn't get included, but it, when I read it, um, I didn't see that it conflicted with anything that was in the Bible, but it gave more information and maybe it wasn't intended to, but again, uh, Jude is quoting Enoch too. So Jude was familiar with the, the book of Enoch or what it said, Enoch, the seventh from Adam prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones. So that is somewhere he knew about what Enoch had prophesied. And that I think is kind of interesting to read the book and just kind of understand what was given. Who knows if that's completely true or not, but it makes sense given the facts of what happened. And just about like in a similar way, this goes back to Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. So Sodom and Gomorrah was an example of what will happen to people if they don't change. And Sodom and Gomorrah, I mean, they were all about immorality and perversion. And that is the way our world is going right now is I have never seen anything like this before. And I can think about like generations prior to me that have probably said the exact same thing. We're like, oh my gosh, in my time, this didn't happen. And now we're seeing this again. And maybe it can get worse. It just, 
uh, it's kind of scary if it gets worse than where it is right now. But the things that are happening in our world, the immorality, the corruption, the perversion, and just knowing what happened in the Bible at Sodom and Gomorrah, these people were not spared. They were completely destroyed. So if you truly love other people, you're not going to want them to be destroyed. And to let them know the truth about immorality and perversion, it will lead to destruction. It will lead to death. It will lead to eternal separation from God and torment in that eternal separation. And if Jesus destroyed death, doesn't that mean that death for everyone will be destroyed, the second death? Or does that mean that the people that go into this lake of fire do die? Like if that's the, because that was also referred to as the second death. So does that, I that's, I'm not really certain on that. I'd have to look up a little bit more, but whatever it is, I know I don't want it. And, um, and this is a, this is something that is just so, um, all over the world today. And people just don't even, they don't have any issue with it. There's no concern, no, no care what they're so carefree about this that I just look at all the people that are completely carefree about this and just think, do they know what's going to happen to them when, when they die or when Jesus returns, whichever comes first? Do they have any idea? And I think that's a very sobering fact that you find in Scripture. And it's not about rules in Scripture. It's about truth. It's about what is found in Scripture. This is God's Word. It's a warning to all of us. So you, each of us has to decide, are we going to take this to heart? Are we going to listen to what's in here? Are we going to do what we want to do and then find out in the end? And But don't say that if you've listened to this, you have been warned because it's in Scripture. And if you don't believe it, go through Scripture and try to find it to the contrary. Try to find where it doesn't say this. Because yes, I struggled with it too. I thought, well, but everybody's like this, you know, like how can, how can that be? And then you think about Jesus saying narrow is the gate and few find it. So if narrow is the gate and few find it, do you want to be one of the few that finds the narrow gate? Are you going to make it into God's kingdom? Are you going to be with the mass that just thinks, eh, we're okay. We're just going to live life. We're going to have fun. We're going to be good you got to really come to reality. You can't live in a fake made-up world. Well, I don't like what that says. Well, it doesn't matter if you like what it says or not. It's the truth. So are you going to accept the truth? Or are you going to live in a make-believe world that doesn't exist?